Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. When Kristen and I were first married, we decided we wanted to use our 20s and time before we had kids to do a lot of traveling. And when you travel, one of the best things about travel is eating in places you've never been, right? And so I remember, you know, some of the different places we went to, probably some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life is in a little place called Patsy's in North Harlem in New York City. And Kristen's cousin used to live outside of the city, and he made it his mission to find the best pizza. So he'd bike into the city, try a slice, bike a different place. So he said, you got to try Patsy's. And it's a little kind of hole-in-wall place outside of Harlem. And we had this pizza, and it was amazing. Uh, one of my favorite places to get seafood is down in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Uh, the place called Krabby's. I have, man, fresh caught uh, fish right there. They do Cajun style, and oh, man, it's so, so good. When I think about like the best steak I've ever had in my entire life, when I was 16, I went on a mission trip down to Argentina uh, with my church, and we went to this uh, place down there, uh, this ranch, and uh, we had this mini-course meal where they kept upgrading your slices of meat. Cow intestine was in the middle of there, and I uh, didn't try it, to be honest, uh, but the last course was the steak uh, from uh, Argentina right there, and man, that's probably the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. It just kind of melted in your mouth. It was so good. How many of you guys are getting hungry? <laughs> and then I remember uh, probably some of the best pad thai, I'm a big fan of pad thai, was at this little um, food truck in Portland. Uh, in, in this, they have a square you can go and they have all these different food trucks. Now, we ordered it like mild, but, you know, we're from Minnesota, so we thought, we'd, let's do it mild. But uh, mild to them, uh, our mouths were on fire. <laughs> it is the spiciest thing I've ever had in my life. But it was the best pad thai in the small little food truck. So why do I say that? In all those places, enjoying this really, really good meal, we had to get out of the pattern of the ordinary you know, it'd be so easy to just go to, like, Sabaro's Pizza in New York City, right? Instead of, like, North Harlem and finding Patsy's. Or McDonald's when you're on a mission trip in Argentina. Or whatever chain restaurant you want to go to in Portland. But it, it's, it took a willingness to get out of what was common and normal. And to take a little step of faith, try something a little bit different. And you weren't sure how this was going to go. Now... All those experiences where we've stepped out in faith haven't always been the very, very best. I remember one time I wanted to find some really authentic Chinese food in San Francisco. So we went to a uh, you know, uh, little China down there. And we were in this place and some stuff broke out. And we're like, I don't think this is the safest place. And it was a little sketchy and the food was just okay. So sometimes you try something different and it's not a home run. But ultimately, I think of all those kind of memories I have of really good meals... Uh, of these good experiences, one of the differences is, again, it was st stepping out in faith, trying something different. It may not look like what I was expecting, um, but, but through that, it was like, man, I got to have this really good experience. I think about another really great meal 
I had was our good friends Josh Olson and Anna back there. They like to take us to really good restaurants. And uh, Six Smith is a place down in YZ. I'll talk about one closer to home. And I just remember, man, the food was good. But that meal wasn't good just because of the food, but also the company you're with. And when you're sharing a meal with people you love, who love you, and you can just be yourself, you can just be known, man, there's nothing like that. If you haven't experienced that, my hope, my prayer is that you can experience that. Well, I think that's what God wants for the church to be, is to be known, to be loved, to be able to experience a meal together. But to do that, you might take a step of faith that's a little bit different. It might mean, you know, you got to step out and, and go to Harlem or, you know, a food truck in Portland or take a mission trip down to Argentina. But as you stretch out of your comfort zone, I believe God will do something great in you. We've been journeying through the book of Genesis, and we're going to get back to Joseph in the fall. But we're going to jump ahead in the story a little bit to the life of Moses. Now, this takes place 400 years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the people of Israel have been in slavery and bondage. And the Pharaoh, he didn't like that the Israelites had exploded in population. So he set this decree to kill all the baby boys. But Moses escaped. Well, he grew up in this whole long story, and he grew up in the palace, and then he had to run away. Well, then he's 40 years of wandering. And, he, and he's just out working for his father-in-law. He's not sure what's next. But he experiences something he didn't expect where he didn't expect it. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Uh, and I think the slides are up here. Josh, if you can click through those as well, or Owen, or Mel, whoever back there, that'd be awesome. Um, but let's dive into God's word today. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. While the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. A couple things I want to point out here. Uh, the first is um, actually the, the word there in Hebrew for bush means something with a woody stem. And so actually it's, it's very similar to what we translate as a tree. So it probably is a short tree. Uh, I planted some short trees on my property. Um, and so again, there's certain words that when we see these, they should light up, light up, right? Like we talked about this, tree, Garden of Eden, Abraham meets God by the trees of, of the Oaks of Mamre, pointing ahead to the cross, to the end uh, when, when, when we are all together and there's a tree of life again. So again, these are like hidden cues to us, right? God's speaking out of this small tree, this woody shrub. But the second thing I want you to point out, and you, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, that God didn't speak until Moses took action. See, until Moses turned aside to move towards that burning shrub, that burning small tree, that bush, God didn't speak to him. For 40 years, God's out in the middle 
Moses is out there in the desert and the stars and he's with the sheep and all this stuff. And God could have spoken to him so many different times. But God shows up in this unusual way in this burning bush, this burning shrub. But God doesn't call out until Moses took action. See, I think we get it so backwards that so often we don't want to take a step of action until we hear God's voice. It's like, I'm just going to stay back and wait until God tells me to do something. Well, I believe, though, God created us with agency and brains and courage. Amen? And there are times we need to step out and say, what is that thing over there that's unusual, that's different? And Moses took that step of faith towards something that was different. And once he did that, God spoke to him. Verse 5, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. What I want us to see here is that a place is holy because God is there. It's God's presence, not the place that is important. We've said Mosaic Church is a lot like a food truck. It's not a big box store or a big box restaurant. There are a lot of great churches out there. There's a lot of Olive Gardens and Red Lobsters and Applebee's out there. We're not so much like them as a food truck. You never know we're going to pop up, right? We've been in like eight or nine locations in the last eight years. And the thing we've learned, too, is it doesn't matter the place so much as God's presence. Amen? Like, we can worship at a park, in a Moravian church, in an elementary school, in a high school, wherever, right? It's God's presence that matters. It's God's presence that makes that place holy. Uh, verse 6, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that place to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. A couple of questions Moses asked, I think, we're asking ourselves as well. First question is, who am I? See, Moses is wondering, am I the right guy, God? See, I thought I was this deliverer. I took things into my own action. It was the wrong actions. Now I've had to run away. Let me tell you a secret. Uh, I'm 43 years old. I've been on this journey of discovering who am I. And if I'm being super transparent, I don't fully know my complete identity. But you know, that's okay that I'm still discovering that because what's more important is direction than destination. I know who I'm becoming. More like Jesus. That's what God calls me to be. So today, if you're like, man, I don't know who I am and what all these things, that's okay. You can have those questions as long as you know this is the direction I'm going. Hey, I want to become more kind, more loving, more compassionate, more filled with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, right? So Moses, he's asking, God, who am I? Am I the right person? 
How does God respond? Verse 12, he says, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So first Moses is like, Who am I? Am I the right person? I stutter. I don't know if I'm the right guy. And God responds, Hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter who you are, because I'm going to be with you. That's the kind of God that he is. He says, hey, I'm the God of your forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and those stories that we've been talking about this last year of going through infertility and business and, and when your, things are thriving and when the promised land becomes a family land and all these different things, God's with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's like, hey, that God, I'm going to be with you. The Bible tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside us. That should be good news, that we can't outrun God. When we're wondering who we are, what we need to know is who we're becoming, the direction we're going, and understand that God is with us. And that, my friends, is good news. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. Uh, chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Question 3 I want you to ask. What is in your hand? This is the question that is really kind of been a burr in my saddle, uh, kind of an, an earworm in my brain for two years. What is in your hand? I believe God has uniquely designed each and every one of us with different giftings, different passions, abilities, experiences, and that's a good thing, that we are different. See, we all have different things in our hands. That's why we need each other. That's why diversity is a good thing. Not because we hold up this value of diversity for diversity's sake. It's because we're better when we're around people that are different than us. Amen? When we have different perspectives, when, when we see things slightly different, when we have different giftings. So who are you? Who are you becoming? Who is God? This God who's going to be with you no matter where you go. And what is in your hand? When I think of our church, I think of just the unique and different talents and abilities. We have people like, like Ryan Holland, who's not able to be here tonight, but Ryan realized that what was in his hand was the ability to build a business. And uh, six, seven years ago, he, he was working a very successful job, but he decided, hey, I can start a business, and, and you know what? That can bring value to the community, and I can have more freedom. And today he employs, I forget, 10, 20 people. He, he has people he's created jobs because he realized that's what's in his hand. People like Josh McDermott who can build a bathroom out of scratch, who can do anything, who can fix any problem, that when things I can't figure out, he can figure that out. 
What's in his hand? A unique mind that can just problem solve and figure things out. We have so many people in our church with different abilities, different strengths. I'm so thankful for people like Katie, who loves organizing potlucks. I hate that kind of stuff. I'm terrible at it. We had a key volunteer who used to do all that stuff. She stepped back a couple years ago, and I was like, I'll do this. And we showed up at the 4th of July, and I forgot all silverware. And I just wasn't thinking. I was like, we're eating hot dogs. Who needs silverware? Oh, yeah, all those sides I asked everyone to bring. And it was a disaster. I think people left the church over it. Like, truly, like, where's the silverware? I don't know. I'm terrible at this. We need people like Katie, right? Some of you, the thought of coming up here and speaking for 30 minutes would, ah, I can never do it. I love it. This is why uh, what God created me to do, right? Like, we need each other. We need differences. And same thing in our community. We need different kinds of churches. Because we need Church of the Open Door. They have an amazing calling on spiritual development in people and what they're able to do. We need churches like The Grove, my good friend Scott there, that they get involved in the school district and doing different things, and they're great at adopting different um, schools and doing these different things. We need Maple Ridge Church, the other converged church in town, because you know what? They reach a lot of people who move back to Maple Grove who are here for their grandkids. We don't have a lot of grandparents in our church, just a handful, and some of them are related to me, and that's why they're here, right? <laughs> but Maple Ridge is reaching people that we would never reach. We need Christ Community Church here, who've been faithfully uh, serving this community for 40 years. Like We need people that are different. So the question I think we have to ask, what is in our hand as a church? Eight years ago or so, in eight, nine years, um, Chris and I were in this series, uh, this time of transition, the season of transition. Um, I had been working uh, as a worship pastor, as a youth pastor, associate pastor, and was feeling this calling, this stirring towards being a lead pastor, but I wasn't sure about that. We'd served in Colorado, Wisconsin, and then we came back home thinking, you know, maybe we are called to be back in Minnesota. And at first, I really resisted that. Because honestly, I wanted to be in a church with stained glass that was a little safer. I'd been in church planting for a long time before that, and it was messy, and I was like, ugh. But God kept shutting every other door, and this guy, Dave Reno, who was the planting pastor of Grace Fellowship, kept knocking down my door and being like, hey, I think you want to plant a church. And so when finally he convinced me, yes, this is the right thing to do, uh, and we decided, where are we going to plant? Well, I grew up here in Maple Grove, and I love this city so, so much. We said, hey, what's planting Maple Grove? So we bought a house. We said, hey, no matter what happens with the church, we want to know, people know that we're investing in this community. And then in the next several months, as we gathered people into this launch team to be part of this church, one of the things I did, too, was I met with all the other pastors in Maple Grove, just saying, hey, I don't want to be so arrogant to think we're bringing God and the gospel to Maple Grove, right? God's been at work here for a long, long time. But how can we uniquely fit into what God is already doing? Because at the time we planted, eight, nine, eight years ago, there were about 60,000 people in Maple Grove. And uh, my friend at the Grove Church had done a, a big study. And at that time they realized you know, about 20,000 people were plugged into a solid, great church. About 20,000 people in Maple Grove at that time we went to a church Christmas and Easter, maybe Mother's, Mother's Day, 
And about 20,000 didn't go to any church at all for whatever reason weren't plugged in whatsoever. So I said, hey, let's plan a church for those people who for whatever reason aren't connected, plugged into any other church, and for those who move into our community because we know how hard it can be. We were part of it, you know, I grew up here. We left for 10 years, came back, thought I was just going to slip in, you know, and see all my old friends. But you know what the thing is? Their lives moved on without me. And they all have friends and community, and it was much harder. So we had to make new friends with people who were new to this area. And that's kind of the truth about Minnesota, if you're new to Minnesota or whatever, you know. And so we said, hey, let's, let's plant a church for those people. But again, we had to look around and say, you know, where do we, Mosaic Church, fit into this? So what we have to ask, though, now is how have things changed in eight years? Well, first of all, Maple Grove has exploded. There's about 71,000 people now. We've, we've added about 10,000 people in the last eight years. We've also, uh, the churches have changed immensely. We prayed that we would be able to help influence and change the city. And honestly, we have been a, a small part of that. That when we planted, there was no Faithbrook Church with a brand new building out uh, by Um Creek Park. There were Oster Church of the Nazarene. And partially due to us coming into this community, they were inspired to change their name, to rebrand, to move to a new location. Maple Grove Evangelical Free Church, partially through this time, rebranded and became the Grove Church. At the time we planted, there was one multi-site megachurch campus. Uh, Now there are five here in Maple Grove. Things have changed in eight years, and and, and there's been a lot of turnaround. um, As... It is kind of wild that I'm one of the longer-tenured pastors now in Maple Grove. Uh, there's Brian at Northwood Church, who's been here for 20 years. Um, and let me think. I think that's it. Who've been here as long as I have, which is just wild to me. Um, and so, the, again, there's a lot of changes. So I think it's good for us to ask, is there still a place for a church like ours? Or is there not? I believe there is. I believe there's still a place for a food truck that's unique and different. And we support and cheer on those other churches, but we have to ask, what is in our hands? A couple years ago, my son Josh, he wanted to play baseball, and I'd grown up playing for Omega, Maple Grove, uh, Austin Maple Grove baseball, you know. 30-some years ago, you know, and uh, so I was excited to do that, and so we signed up for baseball, and I was excited to just cheer him on, and then we got the email, hey, we need coaches, do you want to coach his team? And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, and so this is four or five years ago, signed up to help coach his team, ever since then I've been helping coach his baseball teams, and it's been an, a really wonderful experience. This past summer, uh, Jesse and Troy and I, we, we coached one of the Maple Grove rec league teams, and I was thinking about that experience, and I was thinking about Maple Grove, and we were talking to even some coaches from the city of Blaine, uh, we had a playoff against some other cities, and talking to them about how in Blaine, they have a triple A travel team for 13-year-olds, double A, and that's it, and then they're rec leagues. Well, here in Maple Grove, we have a triple A team, we have two double A teams for each age group, a single A team, and then three rec teams. We have so many teams, and so you could say, well, maybe there's too many baseball teams. Maybe, you know, uh, we need to scale back, right? Maybe there's too many churches in Maple Grove. Maybe there's too many baseball teams. But you know what? I think about the boys in our team. 
And, and the way things kind of worked, it was kind of funny because Jesse wanted to coach with me and Troy. We actually didn't get two, our first two round draft picks because our sons became the first round draft picks instead. So the other two Maple Grove teams were kind of stacked compared to ours with draft picks and all that stuff. And so at the end of the day, our team had a lot of kids that probably never would have been picked on any other team. But you know what? We invested in those boys. We overachieved. And because competition is one of my top five strength finders, yeah, those other two Maple Grove teams, they both won three games and three games. You know how many games we won? We won nine. Yeah, come on, give it up for that. That's right, that's right. We won a playoff game, they didn't. Um, it's all good. No, but, but here's the thing. Are there too many baseball teams? I don't know. But I do know a bunch of those boys who are on our team who said it was the best team experience they've ever had. they wouldn't be on any other team. And you know what? There's people in Maple Grove, in Osseo, in this area, who for whatever reason, I think still don't feel like they fit in at other churches. And I think we can be a place for the misfits, for the outcasts, for those who just feel a little bit different to have a place of belonging. That's what we want. And you know what? If Mosaic's not the church for you, that's totally fine. You want to go play travel ball? That's great. There's a lot of great churches. Go find a great church. Just, you know, just plug in. Just play. Get involved. Be on a team. And you know what? But we're going to be here for those who feel like, man, I'm, I could never make travel ball. I could never be on this team. This is a place where anyone can find a place to belong. So what's your next steps? They're on your sheet, but number one, if you haven't, get baptized. So what is baptism all about? Baptism is the unique symbol of identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's saying, Jesus, I belong to you. In front of everyone, I'm going to tell, hey, I belong to Jesus, and I'm going to go down under the water, symbolizing my life is, is, is dying, and I'm coming up now, new life in Christ. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's an external symbol of what's going on on the inside. Now, some of you, like myself, were baptized as a baby, and that was an incredibly significant event in the life of your parents. But their hope was that you would walk with Jesus. And baptism is a way of confirming that hope. So next Sunday, uh, in the morning, we're just going to gather at the, at the deck area at Weaver Lake, and we don't have it rented or reserved or anything like that. We're just going to show up. We've done this before, pop-up church. And uh, what we're going to do is going to celebrate the Andersons who are adopting their girls. We're going to dedicate them. Yeah, give it up. That is awesome. Three years and 47 days or something like that, they've been waiting for this. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the day count is, but that's close, I think. Um, and then also, we have some people, some middle schoolers, some adults who are excited to get baptized. If you haven't done that yet, come talk to me, sign up. Uh, I want everyone actually to pull out your connection card because I want you to find one thing that's your next step and, and put that on there. And here's the thing. Again, here's what a taco truck can do differently than other churches, maybe. Every Wednesday morning, we gather in prayer, and we pray by name for almost all of you. And you go to another church, that's great. Uh, you know, but here, your pastors are going to pray for you by name. And so we want to know what your next step is, and then we want to pray for you about that. So maybe it's getting baptized. Number two, do the green book. What's the green book? I've had, even this week, somebody asked about that. So it's simply a tool to help you get discipled and become a disciple maker. So the key thing here is making disciples. 
This is a great tool. We've been using it for about the last two years. We might not always use this tool, but it's a book. You go through it with someone, about 15 weeks, face-to-face, -face, but the whole goal is that then you sit down and you learn how to do it yourself. Those of us who lead others to the Green Book, if we're doing our job right, the person across from us should say, oh, I can do that. That's not that hard, right? That's what we want your experience to be, that then you lead someone through the Green Book. That's the hope and the goal. Not that we're so wise and so smart and have all the answers. It's like, oh, no, no, I can do this. If you haven't been discipled one-on-one, -on -one, try this. Sit down with someone face-to-face. -face. We have a number of people now, uh, we're at 15, 18, I forget exactly, um, who've graduated and want to lead someone else to the Green Book. Uh, number three, maybe your next step is to become a partner. What's a partner? Here at Mosaic, it's kind of like being a member, except for I'm a member at, Mose at uh, Lifetime Fitness, and you know, when I show up and like the steam room's not working, or they don't have razors or whatever, it's like I feel very entitled. It's like, what? I, I expect certain things as a member, right? We don't want that kind of attitude. As partners, it's saying, hey, no, we're partners in the gospel. We're partners in helping people who are disconnected find a place of belonging, of helping empower people, equipping them to live out their calling, to find courage, take that next step, right? That's what we want to do. So the partner's saying, hey, we're all in this together. We, we want to, we're in this, uh, and so our leadership is drawn out of the partnership. And so if you want to know more about how to become a partner, you can talk to me, and our partners will get together in a couple weeks, and we'll vote on our budget, a couple things like that. Um, so that's what the partnership is all about. It's just saying, like, hey, I'm in. Number four, would you pray about committing to be all in for the next 12 months? And this is speaking to our partners and our non-partners. Um, we're, we're at a place in the church, again, eight years in, but we're still mobile. We're still small. And we need kind of just to know, hey, who's in and who's out? Here's the thing. In a lot of ways, we're very similar where we were eight years ago. Eight years, we launched with a launch team of about 64 to 70 people, adults and kids. Today, we're a church. We average about 75 people. We have about 100 people who call Mosaic home, similar place to where we were eight years ago. But as we kind of relaunch into the fall and afternoon services, we're going to do some marketing. It's a lot like a new church plant. And in the same way that we asked people eight years ago, hey, would you be a part of this thing that's going to be a unique expression of God's kingdom in Maple Grove? Would you say, hey, I'm in for the next 12 months? It doesn't mean forever, but would you be in for the next 12 months? And as your pastor, then I want to commit, I'm all in for the next 12 months. Here's the thing. I'm 43. I'm not 35 anymore when we went to this church. And I'm at a place in life where in the last year, I've been approached by four or five churches. Hey, would you consider come being our pastor? And, and we've talked, and I've said no. Because ultimately, I feel called here. But at the end of the day, it's a relationship to say, hey, if you guys, hey, you're all in, let's do this, let's commit to continuing on what God has called us to do, then I want to commit to you as your pastor, hey, I'm all in as well. I'm not going to entertain other offers, these kind of things. So again, this is one of those relationships, right? Like, I want to know, hey, who's in? Let's go do this. Because I believe we've unfinished work here in Maple Grove, amen? I believe there are people who are struggling, people who are dealing with depression, anxiety, broken marriages, infertility, all these things. 
that they're looking for a unique expression. They've tried different churches. It's not working, but say, hey, we're a little different. We're meeting in the afternoons. We meet in a Moravian church. We do reverse tailgating. We do service, and then we hang out and have food and hang out, and you, it's hard to slip in the back row. We want you to be known. We want to pray for you by name on Wednesdays. We want to help you step into your calling. We want to help you thrive in your businesses, be the best manager, the best small business person, whatever it might be. You get filled up here on Sunday nights to be sent out again and to be encouraged. That's what we want to do. But again, I need to know, we need to know, hey, who's in? We have some people that have just been feeling this stirring of, hey, maybe my time's up here, maybe a mosaic. That's totally fine. God's calling you somewhere else. We understand that. But again, we need to know, hey, who's in? So if that's you, I'd love if you put that on your connection card. Just, hey, put your name. Hey, I'm all in. I'm committing for the next month. I'm here as we really launch this thing in the fall. Uh, number five, invite someone to come be a part of Mosaic. The reality is, again, we're a church of about 100. We average about 75 in person. But just to meet all our needs, half our people are kids, right? Um, we have a lot of people. I think I did, I forget it, uh, the stats. Uh, I'm 43. I think 85% of our church is under the age of 40. Uh, we have a very young church, and I think something like 50% are under the age of 12, right? Like, so we have a lot of kids. That's why we need Pastor Amber, right? Like, investing in the kids. But, you know, I keep hearing from, you know, Katie, you know, uh, you know and Aaron on our setup team and Amber, we need more bodies. We just need more people to just stand outside. Good morning or good afternoon, right? To be with the kids once a month, to help just, we have a little bit of setup and pack up each week still here. We just need some more people to make this work. It's really hard, particularly for churches that don't own their own building, to be under 100 and, and, and be able to do everything we need to do. So what I'm asking you is, hey, can you invite one person? Hey, come be a part of this thing. Hey, join with me in this. If we all invite one, we will break past that 100 barrier. And, and we'll just have that margin. Again, we're not looking at being a church of multiple hundreds. We're talking just over 100, right? Like, we want to still know each other, but we just need some more people to, to greet, to help with setup and different things like that, uh, to work in kids so we don't burn out our people. That's just where we are right now, just being candid. We're right on that line. We just need some more people to say, hey, I'm in, and we want to help you flourish. So those are, those are the things of, of, of your next steps. My challenge for you is to move beyond comfort, where things are just normal, it's just easy to go out to eat at Applebee's or, or you know, Sabaro when you're, when you're traveling. You're going to have to move into a place of fear. This is different. This is a little scary. And then move past fear into a faith-filled place of optimism and hope and believing that God truly can use you to make a difference. I think we should be asking what could be what could God do in our church, in our city, in our families, in our lives, if we say, hey, you know what, let's partner together, and let's do this thing, and let's reach some neighbors around us who are struggling. And, and we're going to keep praying for the other churches. But imagine if the person that led you to Christ had never taken that step of faith to teach that Sunday school class or to, you know, be a youth volunteer or plant that church. 
how would your life look different? See, when you think about time travel movies, it's like, wow, that's a weird uh, transition, Eric. You know, I think we get so worried about, like, going into the past, and it's like, what if I wreck something with one decision and it changes the future? But how often do we think, right now, today, you could make a small decision that could radically change the future? We think about in the past, but rarely do you think about that in the present moment. And I think we're in one of those Kairos moments, those moments of time to say, hey, what could be? How could people in our lives, their lives change because they found a place of healing and hope and encouragement? What could be if we, if you, take that next step of whatever that is, get out of your comfort zone, to move past the scariness and the, and the fear, to walking in faith. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and accepting us, but not wanting us to stay where it's comfortable, not wanting us to live in fear, but God, you desire for us to step out into faith to ask what could be, to see the burning bush, to step aside and move so that then you can speak to us. God, I pray right now for those who are contemplating, considering a scary step. God, I want to pray for those who've had a nudge to foster, but they've been scared about how much that could hurt. God, they would take that decision and move past comfort, past fear, into that step of faith. God, for those who have been disconnected from church and they've been hurt or wounded and, God, it's just been comfortable, God, that they would take the scary step to move past fear into faith of what could be, into what it would be like to have relationships around them, of people that are stretching them, encouraging them, inviting them into a richer, deeper walk of life. God, just for everyone in here, whatever it is, wherever we are, God, that you would stretch us to get beyond what's just comfortable, to move past fear into faith-filled optimism and hope for the future. Because, God, I believe there are more businesses that need to be started, more nonprofits, more baseball teams, more theater companies, more foster kids that need to be adopted. God, there's more you want for us. So God, inspire us, encourage us to take that next step. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, you can stand up. We're going to sing one last closing song, and then Kristen, I think, maybe is in the back with a basket. And again, I, I ask just everyone, just fill out the card and just say, what's your next step? And if it's, I'm not sure, that's great honesty. And we're going to pray for you on Wednesday for that. But yeah, let's stand and let's go out of here singing uh, this last song. And then we're going to go outside. We're going to play together. We're going to have some fun. We're going to eat some food uh, because we love playing together, eating together. Right, man? Oh, yeah. uh, but may you know that God is for you, that God is with you. And he wants you to take that next step so you can thrive, that you can do something different and be all that he created you to be. Let's sing.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.